Welcome to the Law Firm Growth Podcast, where we share the latest tips, tactics, and strategies for scaling your practice from the top experts in the world of growing law firms. Are you ready to take your practice to the next level? Let's get started. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Law Firm Growth Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Jan Roos, and I am very excited about today's guest. We have a repeat guest in Janet Falk. So Janet is the president and founder of Falk Communications. I'm sorry I didn't ask about the title specifics, Janet, but uh, we're getting her back on to talk about something that's very, very interesting, and I uh, got some personal connection to it, which we'll get into in a little bit, but thank you for coming back on the show, Janet. Very excited to be here, Jan. My pleasure to speak to your audience once again. All right. So Janet had an awesome idea, and this is something we'll, we'll get into the story a little bit, but um, I want to kind of start out with the personal connection. So I don't know if you guys in the audience are having the same situation, but I have had a really hard time getting back into the live events post-COVID. I think I got a little bit cozy hiding behind my computer screen. And uh, I was actually planning to make 2020 the big year that uh, I was going to get back into the conference game, but that didn't happen. And we're closing out 2023. So if you guys have been hitting any of the new conferences, or you're just getting back into the bar association meetings or that kind of thing, too, Janet has an awesome set of tips. Can you tell us a little bit more, Janet, about the genesis of uh, what we're about to talk about? Sure. So I certainly agree with you that this has been a back and forth about, should I go to this conference or should I not go to this conference? Is this the best use of my time? And when you go to any event, basically you have several goals. And one goal is to keep in touch with what are the latest developments in the law or what are the latest developments in the industry. And as an attorney, if you're going to a bar association event, you want to be earning CLEs. But let's face it, you could be doing that from the comfort of your own office or the comfort of your own home. The real reason to spend all this money on travel to Las Vegas and hotels and you know meals is because you want to be face-to-face with other people. You want to be connecting with the people that you already know through your bar association context. You want to be meeting potential referral sources. You want to be meeting potential clients. Now, I had this experience when I was planning to attend an event held in April run by Women Owned Law, which is a professional membership organization of women who are partners or who have their own firm or who have a solo practice, and people like me, a women-owned business serving the legal market. So in anticipation of this event, I wrote an article called 22 Tips to Make the Most of Your Next Conference. And the idea was different steps that you could take to prepare in advance before you walk into the room of the event and things that you could be doing during the event, and also follow-up activities at the end. Uh, So this was a very popular article. A lot of people commended me for writing it and found it very helpful. I turned it into a two-part series for my monthly newsletter. And one of my subscribers is an editor at PLI, Practicing Law Institute. And as you know, they have a regular publication every month called the PLI Chronicle. So this article, which started out as a membership newsletter article, became my newsletter, now became a two-part series of 25 tips to prepare for your next conference. And then I approached another contact that I had at PLI, and I said, would this make a great topic for a webinar? And she agreed, and I invited one of my clients to be the co-presenter with me. Now, this is not for CLE. This was simply one person who is a frequent speaker and myself as an attendee 
sharing 25 tips that you could be using to make the most of your next conference or the next bar association. And I'm very excited to be able to share this with other people because I think we're all a little bit unsteady having been out of the conference market for a little while. And so this is an opportunity to rethink why it is that you're going to the conference and make the most of both those formal networking opportunities and then the informal networking opportunities, ways that you can be connecting with the other members and, of course, connecting with the speakers and panelists. Okay, that's awesome. And like, I'll say this, it's it's kind of interesting to think about it because I think everyone's had the experience where you go to maybe not like a conference, but like some sort of, hopefully not a conference, those are expensive to feel this way for, but like, you know, you get there, you're kind of winging it and like, you know, you find yourself circling the bar and like, damn, I don't really know what the hell I'm doing here. And that's the kind of stuff that disincentivizes somebody from wanting to go to a conference again. But on the flip side, when you go in with a game plan, which we're going to get into some specifics of some of the things that you've, you've cooked up, Jan, I'm super excited to talk about, but that actually makes it more likely that you're going to go ahead and follow through this stuff. So I think there's kind of these little points of leverage where you go in with a plan, you can realistically get more value out of one of these events. And I think that's a virtuous cycle to get you to go to more of these. And again, it's like all these these situations, you know, the highest level people in any industry are going to these things and prioritizing them for a reason. And if you're not getting value out of this, I think this is going to be an awesome episode. So let's get into it, Janet. So we got we're the before, during, and follow-up section of things. So big picture, uh, I wanted to just pick one off the list here. So let's talk about contacting speakers. How do you recommend people go about finding who's speaking at these events and what's the best way to get into touch with them? Okay, most of the speakers will be listed on the agenda unless it's an interim agenda and it hasn't been finalized. So you can look up on the agenda and find out who are the speakers. You can pick out the ones that are most interesting to you. And they often have a detail of their bio, or you can look them up on LinkedIn. You can find them because if they're speaking in front of the room at an event like this, they've probably spoken somewhere else before, and they're known for having a point of view and up-to-the-minute information. And it's very simple to send them an email and say, uh, your name appearing as a speaker caught my eye. I'm very interested in the topic. I have a question. Are you going to speak about X aspect of this particular topic? Now, if you're a speaker and you find out that someone is interested in what you have to say, you're going to love that person and you're going to want to write back to them and say, you know, I hadn't thought about it, but I'm going to address that in my remarks. Or you're going to say, yes, of course, I'm going to talk about it. And here's something that I've already written about the subject. So the speaker is going to want to engage back with you. Now, an even better way to connect with the speaker is to say, is there a question you would like me to ask at the end of the session? Because a lot of times the speaker has in mind what they want to talk about, but it may be that there's some other development that occurs, you know, very close to the date or that they can't talk about because there's some sort of privileged information or it's slightly off topic. And when you have that dead space after the speaker's presentation, then the speaker is dying for somebody to ask them a question. So be a friend to the speaker and offer to plant the question that they want to answer. And then they will respond to you and tell the room what it is that they're thinking and so on. I learned this tip from Arthur Levitt, who was the chairman of the Securities and Exchange Commission. He used to do this all the time. You know, he'd be talking to people on Wall Street and he'd be talking to reporters. 
And there would be some hot topic that he wanted to address, but he couldn't talk about it because it was slightly off from what was the focus of his remarks. But this way, he would seem to be responding to the audience and what people wanted to hear about. Now, what happens at the end of that particular panel when the speaker is finished? Everybody else is going to rush up to the front of the room and get the speaker's card and try and, you know, get a little FaceTime with that person. You can hang back and you can talk to other people. And then at the end of the session, you go up and you say, you know, hi, speaker, my name is Jan Roos, and I, I really was glad to be able to help you. And I appreciated your answer to the question. And they're going to say, oh, no, Jan, we appreciate you. The fact that you brought up this very important point. So you will make friends with the speaker by first indicating that you have an interest in the topic, you know something about it, you want to find out if they're going to address whatever point. And then second, offer to ask that question that they would like to have asked, which may or may not be right at the heart of what it is that they're talking about. And at the end of the session, the speaker will remember and thank you. Yeah, that's fantastic. I was just going to say, it's like, I feel like the best applications of a lot of these more like networking focused things is just the concept of giving value first. I think it's just such a well thought out way to really put yourself in the speaker's shoes and, and ask yourself what they would want. But also, I think the timing of it's so brilliant, too. It's kind of funny. Um, you're reminding me of an interview that I, I heard with Tim Ferriss from like how he ended up getting a lot of press at the original like South by Southwest at the end. But I think the, uh, you know, hanging around with the speaker before or after the event thing might have worked then. But like, I think the secret's out like you have to be more proactive about this. And like, I think if you're approaching people in the days before. If nothing else, it's like, you know, you're not going to be part of that crowd. But also, it's, you know, probably more important, they're, they're probably, you know, in anticipation of the event happening, and probably a little anxious, too. So being there in advance is, is such a that's such a key move. I really, really like that strategy. Um, yeah, I would encourage you to plan, you know, a week or two of, in advance, because you don't want to do it, you know, two days before the person's already getting on the plane and, you know, doing whatever they're doing to get ready. So, you know, give them a little time to get back to you. Okay, I really like that. And then, yeah, that's a good point, too. I'm going in the air or whatever. Okay, now let's um, switch to the guests. So another tip you have here is peruse the membership directory. So how would people go about this? And how would the approach differ from something you would be doing as far as, you know, reaching out to a speaker? Many organizations have available to their members an online directory, and you can look up people by whatever means. If they're attorneys, you can look them up by practice group. You can look them up by the city or the state where they practice. And this is a way that you can find out people who align with your practice or are located in a similar geographical area. So if you're from, say, Minnesota, you want to find other people from other parts of Minnesota, or maybe you're thinking of relocating and you want to make some connections with people in Wisconsin. So you would be able to do that by searching the membership directory for whatever criteria. So you want to look for people who are aligned with your practice, but you also want to look for potential referral sources. So if you're a matrimonial attorney, then you probably want to be in touch with people who do trust and estate work or people who do real estate work because they are aware of people making arrangements with their assets, right? And so if people are starting to think about how I'm going to sell my home because I'm getting divorced, you know, the referrals can go back and forth. So don't limit yourself to only people who have a similar practice to yourself, people who could be potential referral sources and people who are located in your geographic area or the geographic area where, you know, you're planning to move. 
Yeah, it's funny you bring that up too. I used to have something I was uh, talking about with like conferences, but it's you kind of see this birds of a feather flock together thing sometimes. And I don't think it's the most productive at the end of the day too, because it's it's obviously way easier to talk to people in your practice area, but like on some level you're kind of competing against each other. So I used to say it's kind of like you know if you look at a, whatever like a middle school dance or something like that, it's like the boys on one side of the room and like the girls mm-hmm. on the other side. Like you know, look, you're not gonna get any success talking to the same type of people. <laughs> you need to move from focusing on people that are like you, which might be an easy conversation and think about what might be a productive conversation. Again, sometimes it's a little bit more difficult. But you know, to your point, it's like if you have a little bit of preparation going in with a game plan is is just a way to prioritize the time you're going to have, which is like, you know, super limited. Right. And I want to add something here, Jan, which is, you know, say you have an office in Chicago, and you're looking forward to catching up with your colleague who has a practice in Miami, or maybe in San Francisco. I mean, let's face it, you can talk to that person anytime. So don't be congregating with the people from your same firm if you're going to a bar association meeting. You're there to meet people from other firms. You're there to meet potential clients. So don't be sticking to the people that you already know. You should have a game plan with your team to be working the room. You can always see the people from your own firm whenever you like. Really good point. Another thing I wanted to hop into was I was taking a look at your business card design, Janet, and I thought it was brilliant. So I know people have kind of varying opinions on the efficacy of business cards as kind of a strategy. But look, let's face it, people are gonna be handing them out, and you might as well have a good one. So can you go over sort of the brief outline of what you recommend people do for business cards? Because I saw this as an attachment, I thought it was brilliant. Right. When you're going to an event, you want to give something away that will be helpful to other people. And you might think a pen, I mean, everyone needs a pen, right? Don't poo-poo pens because if you go back in your drawer, you'll see you have a pen from your insurance agent, you have a pen from another attorney, you have a pen from a hotel and, and so on. So, you know, bring along some pens because those are things, if they're branded with your firm name and your URL, for your website, then you can be giving those away. Now, what you're referring to, Jan, is I have a card that has four panels, and it's the size of a business card. And on the front, it says five fast tips to maximize a media interview by phone. And it has my logo, and it has my website. And on the back, it has my phone number and my email address, and it has a QR code so that you can click on that you know, with your camera on your phone, and you can sign up for my monthly newsletter. But what's inside? What's inside are five fast tips to maximize a phone interview. And in that space, I give you some insight as to how you can handle an interview with a reporter on the phone. Now, let's say, like one of my colleagues, you have a white-collar crime practice. You're going to have five tips for when the FBI comes knocking at your door. Let's say you have a personal injury firm practice. You're going to have five tips for when you get into an auto accident or when you get into a bicycle accident. Or let's say you do cybersecurity, five questions that you should be asking to make sure that your site is your website and your client's information on your cloud is going to be protected. So there are all kinds of questions and tips and best practices that you can be including in this four-panel card. So the outside will have your contact information, your logo, what, what are the contents, and the inside will have very vital information 
Now, the point of this card, to have it a business card size, is that it's very easy to keep in your wallet. It's very easy to keep on your desk for the people that you are giving it away to. And you never know where it's going to go. It could go to a supervisor. It could go to an employee. It could go to a family member. It could go to a neighbor. So because it is a small size, a business card, it's easy to carry. It's very portable. And it can be distributed endlessly. Now, I encourage people to think about what they would do if they were to have a similar four-paneled card, the size of a business card, where they could be promoting their practice, giving away very vital tips or questions so that people will have them in mind when they have that need. Yeah, I like that. I mean, just to say also, I'm, I'm looking at this right now, which is not going to come across super well in the audio version of this podcast, but we're also including all the regular stuff that you'd have on a business card too. Like, you know, if this is something that somebody has from, five other attorneys that do the same thing that you do, and yours has the the guide aspect to it, then I think it, it's kind of interesting. I bet there's a amount of people who just kind of bookmark that as something in their brain and keep it handy in case they have the situation or, you know, whatever. I'm thinking about the personal injury use case, and maybe they keep it in their glove box or something like that. But it's just another level to, and again, not to say that it's not a little bit of work to come up with something useful, but that's, you know, ultimately just kind of getting these, these more additional layers of value. So a question that I have for you, Jan, is if we're talking about something that was a little bit more industry focused, would you want your card to be something that's directed towards the end user or the referral source or both? I think it really depends. Sometimes you're not talking to the end user. Sometimes you're talking to the influencer. Mm -hmm. So if you're talking to, if you really want to be talking to general counsel, but they're not available to you, then you want to be something that will be accessible to associate general counsel or, you know, some other staff attorney. But it may be that you have a consumer-facing product service. That's your practice is you do matrimonial, personal injury, trust and estates, real estate residential real estate. In that case, you do want it to be focused on the end user. You want them to be a little bit smarter about what it is that they're about to enter into so that they will say, ah, this attorney gave me this great advice. You know, I'm going to get back in touch with this attorney now that I need that kind of advice. Okay, gotcha. So we're just planting seeds 24-7 and just kind of seeing when, when things come up. All right, so let's talk about the uh, the during unit. And I think this is all good too. And by the way, guys, we're going to have some ways to get uh, access to all the information we're talking about towards the end of this podcast too. So I'm just kind of cherry picking. There's honestly so much good stuff here. As we transition to the during unit, one of the things that hopped out that I'd love to talk to you about is how do you recommend people go about taking advantage of the meals? And the bar and all these different things too. So like, you know, I know sometimes people feel awkward about it, but what's your recommendation to clients and that kind of thing? Okay, well, everyone has, of course, an elevator pitch, Jan. So you have to think, you know, how you're going to present yourself when you first meet somebody, you're going to have your elevator pitch. It's either focused on what you do as an attorney so that other attorneys will think about you, or it could be something what you do as an attorney that prospective clients or not attorneys will be thinking of you. So that's something that you should have down pat at this point in your career. Now, it may be that you're looking to meet a certain kind of person, and it may be that the name tags are designed in a way that you can figure out if this person is an attorney or not. It may be that you're able to read the name tag, and so you have an idea that the person's name tag doesn't say, you know, name of law firm, but instead says construction law or matrimonial law, which is so much more helpful than Greengrass and Meadows Law Firm. Nobody cares about that. 
So you want to be able to, you know, identify who it is that you might be speaking with, and you want to be smooth in the delivery of your elevator pitch. Now, what are you going to ask them about? It could be that you saw the person in the same room when you were attending the same session, one of several simultaneous sessions, or it could be you saw them come out of a different room. Now you've got to talk to them because and say, you know, what was it that got discussed there? You know, I wasn't able to attend that session. Can you give me some of the highlights? And then I'll tell you what it was that we discussed in our room. So that's one thing that you can do is figure out, you know, whether or not the person attended the same event that you did and then share tips and and insights and whether you agree or not with the speaker's take on the situation. Another thing is when you get involved in a conversation is you could say, oh, that reminds me of something. And it reminds you of a contact that you have or someone else at your firm or an article that you read, an article that you wrote, a podcast that you heard, a podcast that you were on, a presentation that you gave. So think about what it is that is going to catch the attention of the other person in the course of your conversation, and then find a way that you can offer them something, something that will help them be a little smarter or gain a new perspective on whatever is the topic of conversation. Then that gives you a reason when you have to ask for their card, because you want to be able to send them that very vital name of the contact, name of the publication, you know, article, newsletter, colleague at your firm, and so on. And then, of course, you, he'll, that person will ask for your card so that you can be in touch. And before you close the conversation, you want to make sure that you continue to be in touch with this individual. I have a monthly newsletter. Would you like to keep in touch with me, you know, passively, informally? And I give all kinds of information about public relations and marketing. Or we have a monthly blog at our firm and we talk about these kinds of issues. Or I regularly appear on our firm's podcast and I talk about these kinds of issues. So you want to find a way that you can not only offer them something, get their card, but find a way to continue the conversation. And I want to point something out here about continuing the conversation. What happens when you go back to your office? You've been out of the office for a couple of days. And now all these things have happened while you were away and you have to deal with all these different things, you know, phone calls, meetings, emails, and so on. But you also want to email the people that you were in touch with, the speaker, the other attendees, the people you had lunch with, the people you had drinks with, and so on, right? Guess what? They are doing the exactly same thing. They are catching up with all the work and they are emailing the people that they met. And do you think that they're going to notice your email that's coming in among all the other emails that they're getting at the same time that they're sending the same follow-up emails? No, you have to make a date so that after the conference, not only do you follow up, but you put on your calendar second follow-up because that way you will show that you were really paying attention to this person and you're being diligent about your follow-up. You know that they were inundated with so much activity when they got back to the office, but you are serious about continuing the conversation. I think that's a very important way that people can distinguish themselves, not only by you know listening to what the person has to say, offering them some more information or a contact, sending it to them, and then following up maybe three or four weeks later to say, your name came to mind. I was thinking about our conversation. You know, let's reconnect. Yeah. I mean, it's just one of those other things too. Like a lot of these tips that you're giving, Janet, it's just going the extra mile in an empathetic way. And again, like none of this isn't work as far as 
being creative and genuinely listening and doing all this stuff. But again, that's, that's what allows you to stand apart from potentially having like such a competitive situation. (laughs) There's only comments on this too. I really like how you kind of propose having these conversations. I remember, I don't know if we talked about this in our last episode, but I was a member of BNI for like three or four years in Manhattan. And I remember this one time, I'm trying to remember, I've got this guy's face in my mind, but he literally had a little stack of his business cards and he would just walk up to you and just just like make the extension. I was just like, oop, who told you to be here? Like, this is just like not like, you know, it just feels so, so transactional. And I mean, again, the fact that I could just remember his, his, his weird posture and, and, and strange face and not a single aspect of what this guy did is, is an evidence of how effective that strategy is. But like one of these situations, when it ends up getting natural, but I think that's such an awesome opener too, like especially for the people who might be a little bit more introverted or and slash or more process driven. It's like, look, you've got something to talk about as long as you can recognize a face. If you've recognized it from something you were doing together, talk about the thing. If you weren't in the same thing, talk about the other thing. But I guess you really want to make a point of going to as many of the events within the event as you can. Is that something you'd recommend, Janet? Oh, absolutely. Because those events are designed to, first, exchange information. And second, for people to interact. So, of Mm -hmm. course, you want to be there. That's why you want to stay at the hotel where the conference is being held. I mean, yeah, I understand if your brother-in-law or your sister lives in the same town, fine. You want to spend some time with them, too. But basically, you're there because you want to maximize your visual presence, you know, with as many people that you meet there as you can. Yeah. I mean, not to use a cheesy line, but you, you have to both see and be seen. Exactly. Okay. And transitioning a little bit, too. So talking about these events, too, there's a really, really interesting one that I saw here on this list, which is number 14, lead breakout room discussion. How do you recommend people get a little bit more visibility within the little sub events that are happening around a conference? Okay, this is something that I have perfected from going to large group meetings where, you know, there's very little time for you to meet many, many people because it's just, you know, a one shot deal. So when we have a breakout session and we're all sitting around the table, then I offer to be the note taker and the secretary and speak to the other people in the room. And I do that because not only do I want everybody in the table to pay attention to what I have to say, and I'm going to learn from everybody else, but at the end of the session, when we all go back to the main room, I'm going to stand up. I'm going to be wearing a distinctive article of clothing. I always wear a colored blazer. If you're going to court and you're mad, You probably can't wear a colored blazer, but you can wear a camel or light gray suit, and that will be distinctive. Or you can wear a colored parking square. Women can wear a colored scarf. So I like to take the opportunity at the beginning of the session when everybody's looking around saying who's in charge to say, I would like to take notes and present back to the major room when we we reconvene. So uh, let's get started. And then you can jump right into the topic. You can take your notes and make attribution of who said what and, you know, what the general consensus was. And then when you go back to the main room, you're going to stand up. You're going to be wearing that distinctive article of clothing and you're going to introduce yourself and you're going to say, you know, we in section three talked about point A, point B, point C. And, you know, these are the things that we concur on. There was some disagreement about point D. And, you know, I offer this to the room. I think that's the way to go about it. It's a very professional way to show that you're willing to take charge and show some leadership and then to share what you have talked about in your group. And if you can attribute any one of those point A, point B, and point C to another person who is in the room with you, all the better. 
because then you make that person look brilliant and they will be your friend for life. Yeah. So you can big them up a little bit. And I mean, it's also just one of those things too, like who else wants to take notes? It's just those little bit more energy and intensive types of things. It just makes it easier. Like, I guess mean, one of the other things too, like whenever it comes to this human relations stuff too, it's just like, you gotta operate the situation as lazy as anyone's ever feeling on a given day. You gotta realize other people are also probably trying to conserve energy the same way, especially if you know, day two, day three of a multi-day conference. So you can keep the coffee down, you know, maybe cut the drinking a little earlier the night before and just like, sure you're staying chipper i think it's a really really great opportunity to kind of uh make sure you're doing that so that's awesome and then let's transition a little bit to the follow-up section too so i found this really interesting i actually saw this in your pre-check thing so do you recommend if we're operating under the assumption that people are going to be slammed the day they get back we want to make sure that we're following up anyways and doing that second follow-up right or is would you ever recommend people just do the second follow-up well no, because what's going to happen is someone's going to go back to their office, they're going to find your business card, and they're going to say, who was this person who has, you know, a PI or an IP practice, you know, they're not going to remember who you are. Now, if you're a real estate agent, you have your photo on your card. We all know that that's how real estate brokers work. But most professionals don't do that, right? So they're going to take your business card and they're going to have to spend five minutes looking you up on LinkedIn, looking you up on your firm's website, looking for your photo in order to see your photo and remember who it is that they were talking about. Now, you probably took notes on the back of this person's card so that you remember what you talked about and what you offered to them and so on. But they might not have done the same because they're not as comfortable networking in that way and so on. So you want to make sure that you stand out and that people remember you. And so you want to be as thorough as possible. And that's why I think it's a good idea to follow up within 48 hours to the extent possible, because longer than that, you know, people meet 50 people at a conference and they're not going to remember you from, from Adam or from Jane. So follow up within 48 hours and then do the second follow up because that'll show how serious you are about maintaining the, the level of connection and continuing the conversation. Okay, I think I might have just backdoored myself into a question about the note-taking system. So how do you recommend people keep track of the conversations that they're having? I think, you know, you mentioned writing some stuff on the business cards, but what are your highlights as far as what you recommend people to do after a combo? I think that speaks for itself. You know, when I meet someone, then I, I, I get their card and then I say, just a minute, I want to make a note because I know I have promised you this newsletter or this article or this introduction. And I want to make sure that we both of us remember when we get back to the office so that we can, you know, fulfill our responsibility. Right. I think the thing is that. Yeah, yeah, no, it's, it's funny. Yeah, that's super. And if they, if they don't give you a business card because they ran out, of course, which is a felony. Yeah. But if you're in a business card, then you have to make a note on your own business card and make sure that you use both pockets of your jacket, right? So that the ones that you give away are in one pocket and the ones that you collect are in another pocket. You don't want to be handing out other people's business cards. Yeah. It's funny too, because I mean, I guess that's another way to ask somebody's business card if it didn't come up organic. It's like, oh, right, shoot, let me write that down. Oh, shoot. I'm Jim a card. Can I just write down on your card? Like, that's <laughs> pretty easy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's super cool. But yeah, it's um, it's funny too because it's like you know, there's a, one of my favorite quotes is the strongest mind is not as strong as the weakest pen. But it's like those things too. Like I think we we gotta give ourselves more credit than we're, we're owed as far as how much we're gonna remember these. And you know, especially when you have these marathon events, sometimes it's tough to keep track of all fifty stuff. But like or you know, fifty conversations you have or however many. So it's like I think it's such an important thing to end up doing. And then as far as kind of the situation, how do you feel about LinkedIn? 
Like, is that something that we want to like hop on right away? Or like, what do you think is the preferred way that people are getting contacted these days? When I connect with someone on LinkedIn, I always personalize the note. And I say, you know, it was really great speaking with you at the X conference about Y topic. Let's connect here and continue the conversation. And the reason I do that is because I learned this from someone else who's a LinkedIn coach, Beth Granger, is that months from now, this person's name is going to come to mind and you're going to say, where did I meet this person? What did we talk about? I don't remember. If you simply send the default connection on LinkedIn, you will have no idea why this person walked into your circle of contacts. So you should be making sure that when you send a connection request on LinkedIn, that you reference where it is that you met and what it is that you talked about to the extent possible. I really don't like it when people just send me the standard request because I think they don't know who I am. They didn't talk to me. They didn't go to my profile. They didn't go to my website. This person is just a badge collector. And I don't want to have anything to do with them because what are they going to do? They're going to go into my contacts and they're going to start contacting the people that I know, the people that I truly do know, and that I want to keep in touch with. So I think it's very valuable to be active on LinkedIn and to conduct yourself in a professional way. I mean, just writing to people randomly on LinkedIn is the same thing as that BNI fellow that you met who just randomly gave out his business cards and, you know, nobody wanted to have anything to do with that person. I do think that there's a lot of positive activity that comes out of being on LinkedIn. I'm a member of several groups. I often share an idea with the members of the group because I think it will be helpful to other people. And it's something that might not have come to their attention otherwise. I mean, as an example, I'm a member of a group here in New York called Deliberate Solos, which is attorneys who have a small firm or a solo practice and I regularly hear from an editor at the New York Law Journal that they're looking for four articles on litigation, four articles on cybersecurity, three articles on trusts and estates. And so I know that I have contacts within this group of deliberate solos who might be interested in writing an article for the New York Law Journal, but this request would never come to their attention. So by sharing that on a LinkedIn post that goes directly to the members of that group, then I can be apprising them of an interesting opportunity to promote their ideas and raise the profile of their practice. So I think conducting yourself responsibly on LinkedIn by identifying the person, where you met them, what you talked about, will help them to remember you and it will help you four months later to figure out why it is that you got connected to this person. That's fantastic. And kind of just Going back to value at the end of the day, too, it's like the more when you have the intentionality that you're talking about, and a lot of these tips, Janet, it just kind of allows every different spoke to be added to the, the hub that is you and then being able to connect these different sources of value with each other. It's just such a powerful thing at the end of the day. And like, I think it's easy for people to talk about, you know, everyone's read, you know, whatever, never eat alone and these different things. But I've been in the situation where you get to the room and you just clam up. So it's like so good to have framework to work off. Of. But Jen, this has been an awesome chat. I feel like we could probably go another hour and a half, but I just want to be respectful of your time because we're getting towards the end of the recording thing. So what's, um, you know, so for people who are interested, uh, you know, what's the best way to get into your world? Okay, I have a website, of course, it's Janet, J-A-N-E-T, L for law, F-A-L-K, that's my last name, Janet, L for law, F-A-L-K.com. And I have a lot of material on my website that I make available for 
free. I give tips on best practices for talking to reporters, how to write a press release, how to introduce yourself to podcast hosts so that you can be the next guest talking to Jan Roos. And I also have, as I mentioned, a monthly newsletter. So you can sign up for that and continue to get my tips from time to time. All my newsletters are on my website. So if you're meeting me now in November of 2023, you can still find out what I talked about in February of 2022. So I encourage people to connect with me on LinkedIn or go to my website and get this information. Several of my materials are gated so that you have to give me your email address in order to get them. It's not very expensive. And I do have one ebook that is for sale. It's called Create and Monitor Your Marketing RBI. So right now we're in the division series for baseball, and this has a baseball theme. Shall I tell you about it? Yeah, yeah. So these are five things that you can be doing in order to grow your practice. And of course, in RBI, rum that it in, that's the way everybody scores. So the first one is what we've been talking about, networking. I call that getting on base because that is what you must do in order to be in touch with other people is networking. The second one is speaking. You could be speaking at a conference. You could be speaking on a webinar. You could be speaking to a networking group. You could be speaking on a podcast. So I call that, here's the pitch. Now, the third one is writing, which is keeping the box score. So you have a monthly newsletter, or you have a regular blog, or you write articles, or you contribute to, you know, another publication. Then the fourth one is being active in the trade association of your target market. I've already mentioned that I'm active in two groups, women-owned law, where I first published this article about 22 tips for a conference and deliberate solos. And by being active in those groups, then I am in touch with people who are attorneys who are a primary target audience for me. So we have networking, get on base, speaking, here's the pitch, writing, keep the box score, be active in the trade association or your target market. I call that route for the home team. And then the fifth one is cover all the bases, meaning promote everything that you do, online. So you know, Jan, that I'm going to mention this podcast when it's available in my monthly newsletter. I'm going to post on LinkedIn. I'm going to share it with other people because I think it's valuable information that many attorneys and, and others need to know. So those five ways of attracting uh, business are in my ebook. It's available Venmo 999. Okay, that's awesome. And then, yeah, I mean, I think you also mentioned that this is going to be a book as well, too, with the 25 tips for the holidays. So I would recommend signing up for that email list regardless. I'm a subscriber. I read you. <laughs> so it's definitely worth looking into. But Jenna, thank, thank you so much. This has been a super valuable podcast. I feel like I've been accused of having these be too much information density. And I think that's in a good way. But you know, where you can always listen to this at 0.5 speed. <laughs> you can always practice your note taking on something like this. But um, what a wealth of information. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Janet. It was my pleasure, Jan. I really enjoyed it. All right. And for everybody else, I'll see you guys next Tuesday at 8 a.m. Eastern on the Law Firm Growth Podcast. Thank you for listening to the Law Firm Growth Podcast. For show notes, free resources, and more, head on over to casefuel.com slash podcast. Looking forward to catching up on the next episode.